Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are powerful. You're a warrior who bathes in your enemy's tears. Then you step out of that refreshing tear bath and into a bathrobe that somehow looks good on you. Yeah, you can pull off a robe. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you save money for driving safely with Snapshot from Progressive. Mmm, savings you can use to buy more robes. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. HD Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production. Brought to you by HD Smartcast. This is part two of my conversation with Shobha Narayan, author of Food and Faith, A Pilgrim's Journey Through India. Okay, so now let's go to the Indian Jews chapter. I found myself thinking of that when, uh, you know, when I was reading this chapter. So, about Indian Jews and, and their problems when they went back to, uh, when, they went, when they went to Israel. So, let's talk about that and how you worked around this chapter. So, my main source was Nissan Moses, who I interviewed widely for the chapter and read. And he now lives in Tel Aviv and uh, he's a Bene Israel person from Mumbai and yeah. he sent me books, he sent me articles, scholarship, he connected me to um, scholars in Israel and in the US and I spoke to them and um, and of course I spoke to Mumbaikers about and I visited all, I visited the synagogues. Um, hmm. Uh, the thing that fascinated me was the fact that Nissim Moses now lives in Tel Aviv and he feels uh, racially segregated. He feels that mm. he's, uh, he has the same problems of immigrants um, who uh, who live in another culture. And I have done that. I've lived in the U.S., so you're always a minority. And what struck me was that his religious identity, which is Judaism, would, mm. should have made him perfectly at home in Israel. But because he looks like an Indian, he, mm. he said this to me. He said, they think I'm second class because I'm darker skin and stuff like that. So mm. I said, why are you not coming back? He said, I'm on a mission. I have things to do here. But my heart is coming back. So it, that was a nice uh, uh, sort of an opposite of, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, Bene Israel people they, they are more at home in Mumbai as, is, as uh, Jewish people. Um, that's the nice thing where they have integrated uh, into the society and there's no need or urge to go and live in the religious homeland, which is Israel. So that I liked. And the other thing I liked about is the, the I mean, I have Jewish friends in America, the whole idea of the homeland and searching for it and how they so strong they are in their faith. Um, mm. There's a section where the Dalai Lama asked them about how have you maintained so many people. Yeah, yeah. so that uh, Hindus all over North America, or if you see, uh, Hinduism is a very secure faith. So there is none of this uh, crisis, and you have to maintain it. There are some lapsed Hindus, some you know Hindus who are religious, some are somewhere in the middle, and every it's okay, everything. <laughs> So, but you know, it's changing now, right? I mean, now, yep. Now it's so, we talked about that. I don't know if you want to get into that. This whole it uh, uh, depends on where you sit. <laughs> depends on where you sit. Yeah, but we, we can't ignore it either, right? Because yeah. it's it's like uh, it would be like ignoring the elephant in the room, like you know the yeah. the 
you know, the fact that now political power vests in a Hindutva party and yes. that's what ruling the nation. So uh, that seems that um, kind of opposite to this idea of Hinduism being a very secure uh, religion, which, which is what I grew up with. I mean, I thought that we are very secure in our uh, in our identities and Hinduism was incidental, you know. But yeah. clearly it's not the case for many people if this is what's happening. Correct. What I, I agree. And I think uh, my experience, I have stated my position very clearly in the book. Time, I mean, in fact, time and time, too, I flogged it to death. So my position is a skeptical seeker who is a Hindu. Um, mm. But what has happened, at least in my own family, is people will not talk to each other because one believes. Yeah, so one says Jai Shri Ram when what happened in Ayodhya happened recently, and the other mm. is aghast that you would say that. So yes. um, mm. there are, uh, it has torn us, it has torn families asunder, and uh, uh, this is happening uh, by the way <laughs> with Trump supporters in America as well. In the same <laughs> so yeah. uh, I don't know why we why the whole world has become so insecure where we I don't know if it's if you watch social dilemma or whether it's social media where we are all in these echo chambers and who yes we believe everybody should think like us and we mm. stop this. but mm. yeah it is a fact the elephant in the room is that in my own family of all professed Hindus there are people who are more Hindu than others. And there are people who walk out of family WhatsApp groups, <laughs> exit dramatically because you dare to say something that they view as uh, as inappropriate or uh, sacrilegious. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, I think this is, a, this is a thing that's happening in a lot of Hindu families, you know, at least walking out of WhatsApp groups, either because you find them very toxic uh, and saying all sorts of things or because you don't you don't think uh, you know you think other people are too secular or whatever this is correct mm. correct mm. I, I had a cousin who 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 told an old uncle that she would not stay under his roof if he kept talking the way he did so <laughs> she had come to visit and she said i'm you know i'm leaving i don't want to listen to this and what is that <laughs> Yeah. These are people you've grown up with and people you love. And now you've decided to put your religious identity above everything, above above affection in a way, which is what is happening. Yes. yes. It's very sad. But anyway, let's talk about something more cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> the best prashad. Where do you go? Yes, where do you get the be- best prashad? The Bene Israel halwa is unlike anything I've had. I mean, because of the coconut milk. Um, mm. So that's a good place if you are lucky enough to get invited to uh, uh, Bene Israel home. For you must go uh, for it just to eat the halwa. Um, <laughs> the other thing is the Parini Panchamritam. You know, everybody in South India loves it. I didn't. You know, frankly, I I was not taken by it because mm. what they do now is. Um, they make it completely sterile. They don't, uh, there's no hand, which is what makes it very attractive. Um, but somehow, um, I don't know, it's become a mass product now. Yeah. 
So you're saying that the uh, the Benny Israeli halwa was the most uh, was the best thing you no, had? No, I wasn't. It wasn't the best thing. I mean, Tirupati Ladu, even though it does, does not make an appearance, is uh, phenomenal. You can't somehow we've made ladus at home and it doesn't taste like that. So that's that. The palpaisam, Ambalapura palpaisam. I think genuinely after visiting it, I think it is infused with a certain. That's what I meant when I said the piney panchamridam because it's become so mechanized. Doesn't have. Wow. Uh, Palpaisam is made by the hand by three people who have a bath and who are sort of try to uh, uh, reach the higher level, higher incline with respect to God and actually believe <laughs> Krishna is going to take it. So it has mm-hmm. that taste. It's an ineffable thing that you cannot, you can only experience. You can't articulate. That was mm-hmm. one. But uh, this Aragar Kovil Dose, you must have it. Even if you are uh, an atheist, you should have mm-hmm. it because it is just, it is simply stunning. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. high calorie. It's a fried uh, ade, <laughs> fried in ghee. And it's like a uh, Hanumar Vade, but it's just so much better. Mm-hmm. And I've had all the, the, as far as Udupi goes, the communal um, feasts happen in many places. In um, you know, Jagannath Puri, the Bhog, of course, is a communal multi-course feast. Udupi, mm-hmm. Dharmasthala in Karnataka has it. So, um, Ritzar, of course, the Langar. Yes. Um, the food is very simple in all these places. Even in Amritsar's Langar, you think that, uh, you know, you go there and you have visions of uh, Chole Bature and all this. <laughs> and you go there, it's a humble dal, it's some roti and one sabzi. And, but what, again, what, uh, it, the, fo- the food is a way to subjugate the ego. And when you are a big shot and you come there and you wash dishes of people yes. who are this, that's the, that's what is the whole, um, in Odipi, the same thing in uh, Amritsar, in Jagannath Puri. Um, that, so the multi-course feasts, it's, it, they don't stay with you in terms of, oh, I st-. whereas the Aragar Koval Ade, the Halva, the Benezri Halva, uh, the uh, Kotarakaras, uh, Uniyapam, all of those are single items, so they stay with you. Whereas mm. the multi-course thing is essentially a whole experience. I still remember, you know, standing in line, Inside, outside Amritsar, the Harmandir Sahib, and then some people are doing swaying back and forth, singing, muttering, chanting, everything. And then you go in and then you take your seat, and there's none of the prodding and the pushing and nothing like that. And then somebody comes and serves you. You don't know who they are, but mm. um, you feel at one with humanity. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you feel. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Mm. You feel part of something that is greater than you. And for, for a minute, for that half an hour that you're eating, you feel, you forget yourself, which is what great music ought to do, which is what great mm. literature ought to do, which mm. happens with food. I mean, in um, in Amritsar, it happened to me because it's a religion, it's a faith that worships a book, the Granth. It is mm. a faith that is so strong. And I this friend I write about, she lives in Bangalore. And I got mm. the permission before putting it. I mean, you lose a child. And a faith sees you through. Isn't that what like? I mean, isn't that what a faith is supposed to do? Mm. And uh, that I found in the Sikh faith. And I think the way they do that is that uh, uh, the way it plays out to witness it. You, of course, you are in Delhi. You're lucky. You can go to many uh, the many of the uh, temples. But I, mm. I 
in in Chennai. I, I never went to a temple. temple mm. So Amrita was a phenomenal experience in that. Mm. Mm. You know, another thing that struck me that you observed this thing about, uh, about you know, in Kerala, the idea of virthi. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very spot on. So talk about that. You know. See, uh, uh, so Kerala has a very, Malayalam has a very specific word called vritti. Vritti is uh, cleanliness. And the way yeah. it is usually used in uh, Palgat families such as myself is uh, in a pejorative way. So all the Kerala mm. relatives talk about the Tamil Nadu relatives and they'll say Tamil Nadu no vritti. That means they don't know how to be clean. They don't know how that you need to take a bath, an oil bath with dripping hair going to the temple. Tamil Nadu temples are, don't have that vritti. And to a certain mm. extent, you can say that because in Kerala, there is a certain milieu. You know, Kerala is the only state with the minimalist aesthetic. The mm. mundus, if you see, there is none of the Kanjivram. If you look at it from a Kerala point of view, it's the gaudiness. Now, mm. forget the gaudiness of Kanjipuram. If you go to Jaipur and the sequins and the jagajaga stuff, Kerala mm. is a very simple, less is more aesthetic, almost Japanese. So you mm. go there and have these flickering oil lamps that still exist. Um, mm. You could be in Japan, I mean, because everybody is in white, everybody is quiet, um, mm. there's none of the you know, multiple, the gods themselves are, you see, in flickering um, light, unlike Balaji or in um, the Mukambika temple where full-on green, multi <laughs> malays and everything. So, Vritti is a, is a point of view and a lifestyle and an aesthetic that is very distinct. Yeah. I think more is more is only in the temple murals, you know. Correct. Correct. Hmm. Because everything else, like you said, is pared down, but the murals are not. Yes. Murals are like fantastic, you know. Yes. Over the top. Like, yeah. Okay. So how long did it take you to do this book? Oh, a couple of years, actually. Um, because I, um, I think a few years to visit all the temples and then hmm. to write about it. And uh so in Mathura, for example, I think to, if you go to the Kumbh Mela or Mathura or Haridwar, I think mm. you know Hindi. Uh, it's uh, you will understand the, the the priests and a lot better. So for me, mm. that's probably why I keep going back to the Kerala temples and the uh, Madurai in the Aragar Koval because I I understood every nuance. Whereas mm. in I don't speak Odia and uh, I uh, I just, it's all visual. The cues were all visual. But mm. Orissa, stayed, I mean, Jagannath Puri, the, the, the stories around it are fantastic because they combine the tribal lore with the Vaishnavite and the Shaivite and Buddhism. And, I mean, everything is there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. And Orissa as a state is how it, India was before industrialization took over. So you can okay. say that uh, perhaps the economy hasn't risen as much as the other states, but the culture has been preserved in it, and that you see in its textiles, in its traditions, the yogini figures that are there everywhere. So mm. that way. Okay. Okay. So great. I mean, it's been great talking to you. I could keep talking because this book is very, very interesting and it's uh, it, it's made me think about a lot of things. 
So yeah, so this is a book, I mean, which makes you think also makes you want to go to a lot of the places that you've spoken about. So thank you so much, Shobha, for talking to me. And everybody go out and get this book, Food and Faith, A Pilgrim's Journey Through India. It's very interesting by Shobha Narayan. Um, And, uh, you know, whether you're a religious Hindu, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Christian, he's kind of, you know, uh, gone to a lot of places and eaten a lot and uh, (laughs) (laughs) given us an idea of what's out there. So thank you so much, Shobha. Thank you, Manjula for the plug and the invitation. (laughs) Bye. 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 This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.